Goddamn Minox chewing on the power cables. Oh, fuck. Oh, uh, hey, <laughs> the Golden Stallion here with you. Ooh, sorry. Um, it is time for your Wednesday Patreon-only Q&A. Woo, and boy, do we have some great questions uh, to get into. Uh, please do continue to send in your questions. Of course, one of the best ways to do that is through Patreon itself. Um which, you know, the private messenger or just like asking, I don't know, really, you can comment on any of the sounds, any of the posts that go out on Patreon, and I will see them. Um, if I don't see them right away, I assure you I do see them eventually. Patreon's like the only thing now that I check at all, you know, minus my email, of course, which, fuck, <laughs> fast mail. What a wonderful service that is. I, I, I just get more impressed with what they're actually offering every single day. So anyway, uh, wow, this has really turned into New Hampshire, has really turned into uh, Ice Planet Zero. Of course, uh, I like that. Uh, well, sort of. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, I was doing some hiking the other day and like hail started coming down. I mean, like, like literal hail. Uh, amazing. And now I have to wear my fingerless gloves. Of course, I love wearing fingerless gloves, but that's not what you're here to uh, hear me talk about uh, this week. So anyway, where, where was I going to go with that? Oh, yeah, questions. So. You might have noticed um, last week, of course, uh, I was away and, uh, you know, where wasn't in the BDSM studios as I am now. Uh, I flubbed in where I for some reason I knew that I wanted the October live Q&A hangout for patrons to be on what is it, the 26th on this coming Sunday, uh, which, yes, that is the 26th. But for some reason, when I made the post announcing the live hangout, I had it set for the, I, I typed out the 21st. I don't know why. Total flub. Uh, but like I knew I wasn't going to be available on the 21st. So I don't know why I did that. Honestly, if I had known, like if I had realized, oh, shit, I said the 21st and it was that Sunday, I would have made things work out and I would have been there, you know, and I would have done the four to five on that Sunday. Um, but just so you know, yes, it definitely will be this Sunday. No doubt about that. Um, I will be here for you for that. And we will get our October live hangout done and done. Um, but just so you know, I mean, that was completely my mistake. I don't know how I did that. Maybe I made that post in the middle of the night or something, which seems to happen often enough these days and uh, just wasn't thinking straight. And, woo, you know, that ended up happening. So whatever. Anyway. Uh, glad that everybody's really enjoying, at least it sounds like, people are really enjoying uh, some of the new Patreon content, Patreon-only content, uh, most of which is only, or at least it will be, for the $5 and up reward tier, uh, meaning that, like, Game Talk, we had two episodes of Game Talk come out, which I told you there would be two that would be available to all patrons, but then after that, it'll end up going to where it's actually going to be video, and there'll be a podcast, you know, there'll be an audio version too, but it'll go to video, and that those will be only for the $5 Patreon subscribers, uh, but people love the first two episodes of Game Talk, of course, we reviewed Super Mario Land in the first one, and then we did a review of the Commodore 64. Mini or the C64 Mini in uh, in the other, and you know there's going to be like there's so many awesome developments coming from the the C64 or the Commodore 64 community uh, for that that uh, we'll definitely be revisiting talking about the the C64 Mini in the future. Um, I I really the more I mess with it the more I fall in love uh, with that little device, uh, and ironically it's probably the least popular um, of the bunch. 
for you know what whatever reason it just happens to be uh, my review of the neo geo mini which i do have uh is forthcoming i don't know that that i might review on episode 299c of sovereign tech i might not do that as a as a game talk exclusive uh for varying reasons so anyway all of that. Um, also, people enjoyed, uh, seemed to really like the Sovereign Insights that I posted. That's also part of the $5 and up only tiers uh, where I just, it's me writing out a uh, little bit about history's mysteries or whatever the hell's tickling my fancy as far as my wilder ideas go, which I told you that this was something that was going to be coming. I don't know the frequency of this. It's going to be at least once a month. I'm going to make sure you get at least one a month. Um, but, you know, I'll tell you, the Sovereign Insights, hard. <laughs> very hard for me to do because this is why I, I, I can't always deep dive. Like we, we did a deep dive on what was I talking about? Um, the Edomites we did, you know, a person asked me about my favorite conspiracy theories and everything. I talked about the Edomites and the Hebrews and like, there's so much history you have to talk about. Like there's so much framework you have to lay out to, or that I have to lay out to where Hopefully I don't sound crazy. I mean, if I sound crazy, fuck, I don't, I don't give a shit. Okay. I'm completely confident in who the hell I am. And you know, <laughs> I'm not worried about someone besting me or something. Uh, but I mean, the golden stallion for fuck's sake. But anyway, you know, th it's really hard to write those out because there's like so much I have to tell you. There's so much groundwork that I have to do, uh, which is part of why I'm going to be doing user podcasts, which is also one of the $5 tier uh, rewards. Um, and the first episode of that will come out next week. In fact, I think right now it looks like it's going to be next Wednesday. I think I might make that in October 31st. Yeah, I think it'll be next Wednesday. That'll be an October 31st uh, little special. So, <laughs> you know, a little Halloween special or something. Um, but anyway, that's that will be that will definitely be out that out then win, lose or draw. Um, I am not going to hold this podcast series back any further. Too many people are excited about it. I'm too excited about it. I love doing it. It's it's so much fun to to do to put these together for you. Uh, but they are very full productions, so they take time. Um, and in fact, I think originally I plan on user being like something that was almost once a week. It's probably not going to be that just because of my schedule. If I can do two a month, that'd be awesome, but you'll at least get one a month. But I'm making sure that for the $5 and up tier, you're getting plenty of exclusives. Uh, I'd like for it to get to a point where it's like one exclusive a week at least, uh, but we'll we'll see how that shapes up. So just, uh, you know, getting in that, that shop talk. Uh, speaking of shop, speaking of shop talk. Oh, you know, one more thing. So also, of course, there's the $5 tier, but then there's the $100 tier, right? The master of the triple black arts um i had my first conversation which you know one your, your reward for the, one of the rewards anyway for the hundred dollar tier is that uh once a month i do a i will do a one hour conversation with whoever is one of the hundred you know whoever is a hundred dollar patron and uh, i just did my first one yesterday on on tuesday and boy that was that was a lot of fun you know, and, and really you could talk about, I mean, you control the conversation. You could talk about whatever you want. You know, we'll just go back and forth. It's hanging out. If you want me to consult you on something, I mean, I can do that too, as far as like setting up uh, a secure device, things like that. I mean, I'm whatever you want to talk about, I am there for you to, you know, to talk about. And it was really great to finally do one of those. Um, I would love it if more of you got on board with that, obviously to make money, but more importantly is that I, I get to connect with you on a very personal level. And we did connect uh, on a very personal level in that. 
that. So it was just it was a dynamite conversation uh, and just a great time, uh, great way to, you know, after I was done with with kind of like, you know, the work I do throughout the day, uh, you know, to just hang out in the BDSM studio and then have the other person on the other side of the screen and just chilling. And, and it was, it was really, really cool. Uh, so thank you for that. Thank you for, to that patron, uh, you know, for, for being, you know, that invested, uh, in the show. I'm really, really honored by that. So, but, uh, what I was going to say about shop talk, um, if you want to, we're in need with sovereign tech of some new equipment, pretty hardcore, um, and I did update just recently. I updated the uh, Sovereign Tech Amazon wish list. Uh, you can get to that through wishlist.sovereigntech.com. There's a link right in the show notes for this episode. Um, there's always a link in the show notes for Patreon or for the Patreon Q and A's for the wish list. Um, we're in need of a new NAS. And is I mean just a bunch of you know new microphone, bunch of other stuff uh, to to partly help all this get to the next level. But some of this, some of my equipment is getting a little long in the tooth, shall we say? And so anyway, if you want to help with that, um, you know you can check it out wishlist.sovereigntech.com, um, and hopefully you know we can we can get all this equipment together and be in uh, great shape. So anyway, not that it's going to if I never get it. I mean obviously I make do you know, because I am the man of tomorrow, but there it is for you. If you want to help out the show even more, and I am honored by that. And, and thank you in advance. I, I mean, people have recently, uh, uh purchased things, uh, for me off of the, uh, Amazon wishlist. And I'm really honored by that. Thank you. So, okay. Um, I think we got all the, <laughs> we got all the shop talk out of the way. Let's get into our questions here. Um, okay. So we'll try to get to, I want to try and get to three of them, uh, but certainly at least two, because uh, one of them, I'm, I'm going to read some of a story uh, just, so, just so that it makes sense. Uh, and uh, a good tech question, actually, a great one. But let's get into this one first. Um, let's see. I'm reading uh, from Patreon here from the community tab. I'm starting to think about writing a book. Good for you, <laughs> Stallion say. Uh, I've been looking into licensing for selling it. I'm not sure it will see the light one day, but I think it's an interesting discussion to have. As a libertarian myself, I'm wondering which is best, releasing with full copyright and not giving a shit about it, or use Creative common licenses with full access. What are your thoughts about all this? So when I, when I publish a book, which I have published two so far with a third that's coming out any time now, um, that being the new dark Android book for 2019. Um, when I do it, I go through Pressbooks, pressbooks.com. Uh, you know, I don't have any affiliate link or anything for them. Otherwise I would direct you to that. Uh, but I go through them and uh, I will give you a quick tip. If you're going to go through Pressbooks, uh, look up, like just, just do an internet search for uh, Pressbooks coupon codes. Cause you could probably get a pretty sweet deal. That's what I do every time I go to publish a book. Uh, Pressbooks gives gives you the option of either, and Amazon does this as well, if you just decide to go through Amazon, I believe, uh, they give you the option of either just full old-fashioned copyright, or you can go with Creative Commons and the options within Creative Commons, because Creative Commons isn't just one license, it's like a, it's, it's a multitude of optional licenses, I'll tell you more about that in a second, um, or you can just do public domain. And not care, you know, and it can just be totally public domain. Um, if you're a libertarian, you know, if you're liberty minded or an anarchist or anything like that, uh, you might just want to go with public domain. You you may wish to just do that. Um, and 
you know, I mean, if if that's an option, not every place is going to give you the option of choosing pu- of, to just go full on public domain. Um, you could certainly do that. Uh, a lot of a lot of places where you post any kind of content or media that you create, you sh- will only give you the option of either. Well, for example, like on YouTube, you get you can use the YouTube license. Or I think you can use like uh, I think they let you use some form of Creative Commons. Uh, other places will only allow you to use Creative Commons, or they'll only allow you to use uh, full copyright. So, you know, which do you want to go with? Um, in general, I mean, and and look, there's there's other options too. Like there's the idea of copy left, okay, where you use the law in such a way to. I mean, it, copy left is a little complex, it, but it's it's where, you know, you use the law to effectively keep it from being controlled, you know, keep your content from being controlled by, you know, by anybody, uh, any by anybody, you know, B.O.D., not not anybody, but anybody. OK, by by any legislative body or anything like that. The idea is to just completely wrestle control of it. Uh, and part of the argument with copy left is that public domain while public domain is ethically the way to go in our in our modern you know framework of copyright of intellectual property that we live with, with that we live within public domain does not really protect it is not a defensive measure against the uh, you know whatever content you're making say a book or you know you name it but public domain does not really protect against someone from effectively taking that and then they copyright it that's that's sort of the 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 concept behind copy left and why they while they would agree that there should be no such thing as intellectual property copy left would say yeah but you know in our modern framework there's no defense against it becoming intellectual property if you just put it out there as public domain um and i think that there's some validity to that concern okay so you might want to go with, and you know, with all of that said, you might want to go with Creative Commons. Um, now you'll hear at the end of every episode of Sovereign Tech, uh, Sovereign Tech Prime episodes for really for the past five six years because I've never in six years or about five years I guess I haven't changed the while I've changed the intro to the show I've changed the interstitials I've changed the segments and all that I've never changed the outro uh, to the show. And I don't know if I ever will, but you hear in the outro, it says that Sovereign Tech is copy heart, meaning that, uh, you know, copying art. And well, you hear Stephanie say it every time copying art is an act of love um, and love should not be subject to law. Right. That's that's the concept there. Uh, copy heart is is really like it's not like any official legal framework. It's just a more philosophical framework. And basically, that's what I hold everything I do under. Um, is copy heart. Okay. That's, that's, you know, someone asks me, well, what do you publish your work under? I, I would say that and copy heart, you know, so basically I, again, it's just a philosophical thing. It's not like a real thing. All right. Um, so normally I do creative commons myself and specifically, uh, Creative Commons, I do what's called CCBY-SA 3.0, which is Attribution Share Alike 3.0 Unported. What that really means, <laughs> okay, because again, again, you have you have a lot of options within Creative Commons uh, to take advantage of, a lot of ways to like remix 
what how people you know what people can do with your work and or what they can quote unquote legally do with your work. Um, so what that allows for, what attribution and share alike, those are the two options that I basically went with. What they allow for is to share, which means that you can copy and redistribute anything that I write or say or, you know, whatever, um, in any medium or any format. You could just rock and roll. That's very similar to public domain. Okay. The, the part, the, the attribution part though, is that, um, well also under, under the, the share alike it allows for and under Creative Commons in general, it allows for you to remix or build on top of any material that I put out there, uh, including commercially. So you're allowed to make money, honestly, off of what I do. Okay, with the with my creative license, Creative Commons license that I set up uh, or, you know, that I that I take advantage of. Now, with attribution, though, you have to give me credit for like if you say say you took. I don't know, say you took stories and like you ripped whole cloth paragraphs or you made your own little sovereign universe book, right? You added your own stories, but then you wanted to take certain stories from like you took Triple Black Mars or you took something from the sovereign universe book, okay, from from volume one and you put that into your book. You could do that and you could make all the money in the world off of doing that, off of my work and, and me as an anarchist, I don't give a shit. Go ahead, okay? But... According to my Creative Commons license, you would have to give me credit that I wrote that, that those are my words and so on. That's the attribution part. So you can you can share alike, which means you can remix it and so on. Um, you don't have to keep it as is. But if you do use some of it, you have to give me credit for it. Now, am I going to enforce this Creative Commons uh, uh, license? No. <laughs> okay. No, I am, I am never going to take anybody to over to, you know, to court, um, over, you know, the stuff that's either come out of my mouth or come from my pen, uh, as it were, uh, I'm just not going to do it. Uh, so, you know, like that, that's really it. I think, I think that there's a, you know, to give you my thoughts, I mean, I've been giving you my thoughts on this. Um, there's also Bipcot, I'm, I'm not even going to go there. I've like, I've licensed my games under Bipcot. That's, that's a whole other thing. But basically I, I, everything I do is really under copy heart. The license doesn't matter to me. Um, getting the word out there that it's copy heart, um, is what I do. And I really should have, and maybe I'll update my manuscripts for, uh, the two books that I've had out there. And maybe I should start putting it into, uh, say show notes of my episodes because every episode of sovereign tech is also under this creative commons license. Um, SoundCloud doesn't give you the option to do public domain. It gives you the option of either standard copyright based upon your country, or it gives you the option of doing creative commons. Um, I think it's helpful alone to at the very least use creative commons and you can choose how you want to, you know, use creative commons. I think it's helpful alone to use that just to, if anything, just to put out effectively a market signal that, you know, like our, our legal framework of copyright is, is shit and it sucks. And well, of course, you know, as libertarians or anarchists, we know it shouldn't exist. Uh, not even creative commons should need to exist. Okay. Or, or should be there like intellectual property in and of itself is, you know, patently ridiculous. Uh, no pun intended, <laughs> but, um, so yeah, but an, a helpful thing you might want to do is, is, 
you know, if you're especially if you're publishing a book like Pressbooks would allow you to do this, along with, I'm sure, a lot of other ones is you could put, you know, that this author uh, thinks I mean, you don't have to use these words, but you get my gist. This author thinks that uh, intellectual property is fucking nonsense and and bullshit and, you know, shouldn't be uh, a part of a part of the program at all. So you could put it under Creative Commons. Right. But then underneath it, you could just you know, you could put your your philosoph- philosophical diatribe, a totally valid one at that. Um, just like I, what I was saying about adding copy heart. I was thinking, you know, I really should on my license pages. Um, or wherever, you know, it can fit, I should have it say, this is really under copy heart, you know, uh, copying art is an act of love. I encourage you to share and to use and so on. Um, so I, I think that's the route to go, uh, you know, as far as that goes, as far as dealing with, you know, intellectual property licenses, um, again, you know, are you going to treat it effectively like it's public domain? Yes. Um, do you want to take the defensive action of keeping some, I don't know, like Hollywood mogul or something like that going crazy with your work? Well, I mean, again, like th- there's an argument that there's the copy left argument to be made as far as that goes, that I think there's a little bit of validity to. But if you are going to actually take them to court, you are using the gun. So keep that in mind. Um, you know, as to where you could almost think of Creative Commons as like a force field, not as in the gun. If you're never going to enforce it, it's not the gun, right? Um, if it's just a bark, you know, with no bite, then I don't know, you know, maybe it just dissuades people, whatever. I I mean, you know, arguments could be made all the way around that. OK, uh, yes, I personally think everything should just be public domain. And if you have the option, go for it again. Not every platform even gives you the option. OK, but you don't have to just because you publish something that falls under some degree of loss. You don't have to enforce the laws personally. And it is for you to enforce if you're doing it independently and you're not going through some publisher. Um, and, you know, the argument will be, well, you then you shouldn't use that platform to, you know, if it only allows you to do creative commons or or, uh, you know, or, or, or standard copyright. Um, cause if that's all that they do, well, then you're, you're tacitly using the law. You're tacitly using the butt of the gun to protect what you're doing. No, no, sorry. Uh, <laughs> I hear you. I understand what you're saying. Um, but like if, if Simon and Schuster or, you know, Del Rey or Harper Collins or whoever comes up to me, the golden stallion and says, Hey, you know, would you like to sign a book deal? Uh, would you like the sovereign universe, you know, to like, I mean, and this is never going to happen, but you get my point. Would you, would you like the sovereign universe to, you know, get published and, and be on bookshelves everywhere? What's my answer to that? Yes or no? There's no middle ground. Yes, of course I want that to happen. Do, do you want to, you know, would you like a signing bonus and all that for a hundred thousand? You bet your goddamn ass I do. I'll take it. Please. Now, when I take that book deal, do you think Harper Collins is going to put it under some kind of IP, some kind of copyright? Of course they are. Of course they are. But am I going to have that, you know, <laughs> am I going to let that stop this, you know, my content and my shit? Hey, am I going to let it stop me from, you know, from, from building up personal wealth and value? Am I going to stop it from getting on bookshelves and reaching tons of people just because, oh shit, you know, they want, they want to put it under some kind of copyright? No. No, I'm not going to do that. I mean, that's 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 the perfect getting the way of the good. Fuck that. So we do what we, we what we can in this world. OK, where we have the option, 
you know, and I mean, everything is case by case. Okay. So yeah, that's what I'm saying. Don't go, you know, don't stress yourself out too much around this. Um, I do think it's beneficial to at the very, you know, if you have the option of public domain and you want to rock with that, there's nothing wrong with that. Okay. I only brought up like copyleft arguments just so, you know, you have a full picture of what some people think about all this. Um, but if you have creative commons, if your only options are creative commons and, um, you know, in, in copyright. Yeah. Yeah. Go with creative commons. Go ahead. You know, like that, that's, it's totally valid and fine. Um, yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not like valid necessarily a hundred percent ethically, but you get my point. Okay. Go for that. You know, we do just like you got to buy gas for your car and that gas has a tax on it and taxes goes to war. I mean, what do you do? Do you stop driving a car? No, 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 It's a hard concept. It's something I don't like having to say, but Really, okay, you know, in a world, I mean, there's things where we have like choices like voting, okay, voting, you're completely like, like having the choice and you do have the choice to not vote, okay, you know, not voting is like, like, it doesn't get in your way to not vote, you see my point as to where it does get in your way to not buy gas. Like it does get in your way of be it entrepreneurship or whatever else to not buy gas. Okay. Uh, If you, depending upon where you live, my point that I want to say is, is that look, if you live by your principles a hundred percent, and I mean like perfectly 100% down the line, if you're really dogmatic, you are going to walk around naked and hungry. I mean, that's just a fact. That's a fact of life. Okay. There's, there's points where the choices that we have in life uh, you know, we, we can take our ethical stances and take them where we can. Fuck yes, absolutely. Okay. You know, when voting is completely unethical, like 100% absolutely unethical. Okay. It is tantamount to the use of a nuclear weapon. Voting is horrible. You don't have to vote and not voting gives you more time to work on other shit and your vote doesn't matter anyway. Okay, so like, you know, that's a that's a completely valid choice to not go forward with now. But again, like I said, are you not going to buy gas because of the gas tax? Um, No, I I, I think that in that sense, okay, that's where your principles can can ease a little bit and say, well, I'm going to do more good than harm. Um, You know, like I will use this gas to be anti-war. Right. Even though you're paying on a gas tax. And of course, the argument goes that the gas tax just goes to building roads, blah, 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 whatever. Anyway, it's it's such an ugly bit of business. Um, <laughs> and and this is why I think it's so important, of course, as always to say, like morals just don't exist. OK, we do. We do to be, you know, your your what does exist is, uh, you know, the intrinsic, the only intrinsic good, which is for you to be happy and you go forward and, you know, and, and whatever that takes. Okay, so there we go. Anyway, (laughs) that got way more philosophical than I planned on. Um, But I hope that I answered your question, uh, you know, that that I would I I wouldn't just like go with the copyright and let it ride unless you get a book deal. Then, yes, go with the if you got a book deal from some major publisher, you know, and they're going to throw a ton of money at you. 
go ahead. Let, let, let them do their copyright how they want to do it. If you can argue with them and say, hey, I'd really like it to be under Creative Commons, fine. But they probably won't do that because they're protecting what is more their property now, what they see as their property. And effectively, them paying you in a very real sense is them kind of like they're buying your the manuscript off of you. So it's out of your hands anyway, in, in a way, in a way. I know it's not exactly true. Believe me, I've been friends with many authors in my life. I mean, you know, New York Times bestselling authors. I know how they think. I know the score. I, I'm just telling you. Okay, uh, you know, then go with the full copyright. But otherwise, yeah, probably just go with Creative Commons. And if you want to do again, I'll, I'll, I'll repeat uh, the, the Creative Commons license that I use that makes me feel good inside. Well, sort of uh, attribution or the short version is CC BY SA 3.0. Okay, attribution share like 3.0 unported. Um, okay, so that that question is done. Let's get on to the next one. <laughs> Boy, that went in places I didn't expect. And if you disagree with me, if someone disagrees with me about anything that I said, ask me the question. Let's talk about it. I want to talk about it. You know, I mean, it's fine if you can't afford to be a patron any longer and you got to go away because of that. OK, um, but I would love if you have a differing opinion, especially a patron, because you're financially invested in the show. Talk to me. I want to know how you disagree. I and I won't be mean. Okay, believe me, I will not be mean about it. I know I think everybody thinks I'm this really mean guy. People that actually like have been around me or spend time with me, they know I'm the nicest guy on planet Earth. I mean, I really am. Like I'm 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 super fucking nice. Okay. <laughs> I may walk around pretty angry, but no. <laughs> but I, I'm a super nice guy. Uh you know, I mean, I'll I'll make you a water brother. I mean, come on. <laughs> Anyway, um, okay, let's get on to uh, to our next question. Okay, so uh, this is this is a question that was asked a while ago, but I still think it's valid to bring up. Um, and here it is: Do you agree or disagree with Matthew Green, a cryptographer and professor at John Hopkins University, who says, "quote It's time for PGP to die!" Exclamation point. End quote. Um, so I'm a big fan of Matthew Green. Uh, I think Matthew Green is very good at what he does. Uh, I think he has a lot of great things to say. Uh, Matthew Green has been a part of uh, a lot of real advancements um, in cryptography as late. Uh, I believe he had quite a bit to do with uh, the creation of Zcash and thus by default Horizon and, and others. Um, you know, I mean, not directly, but, you know, again, kind of kind of by <laughs> indirectly, I guess you could say, because of helping out with ZK Snarks and so on. Um He's also been, I mean, again, a major proponent of using Signal, a lot of other things. And I've quoted him many times on Sovereign Tech Prime episodes. Uh, he's also the kind of guy who says that, you know, out of the box, iOS is probably the most secure operating system out there. I don't, I've talked about that. I've mentioned that he's said that in the past, and I don't necessarily disagree with him. Again, but there's, there's a preface to that, right? Or there's a, dis, there's a disclaimer in that. Out of the box, okay? Now, Android can be the most secure if you do it right, but you got to do it right. Um, you know, or Linux, which arguably Android is Linux, arguably less and less so every year. But anyway, you know, any of these things can really be super secure, uh, minus, say, Windows, as long as you do them right, you know. But out of the box, yeah, okay, I, I, I get Matthew Green's point. 
Um, now, Matthew Green has come out and said that PGP really needs to die. Um, and so there's a link that was uh, shared with this question, and it was from Wired, and it's it, the title is, we're calling it, PGP is dead. And this is in reference to back in May, and we talked about this on Sovereign Tech Prime, um, the e-fail exploit, which was that through the use of some HTML code, there was effectively a way where you could extract some data from a PGP encrypted message, okay, or encrypted email. PGP, of course, stands for pretty good, uh, pretty good privacy, and it is, you know, famous for having been released in the 1990s by Phil. He developed and released in the 1990s. Phil Zimmerman did the great work of getting it out there, and it is still largely. I mean, and there have been little other issues here and there, um, you know, that that have come up that would get fixed pretty quickly, uh, just as there are with any encryption schemes, um, you know, but it's still largely incredibly secure. And it is still uh, and I think that it's it's well hammered and, uh, you know, well hammered code, well hammered encryption. You know, it's been around for a very long time. Uh, in fact, you know, there. Stephanie told me a saying the other day that I, I thought was 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 pretty good. Not pretty good privacy, but it was pretty good. And I think it could almost be true for code as well. Uh, almost. Maybe the year, the time frame would be a little different, but the point is the same. And what she said to me is she said, don't trust any medicines that haven't been around for uh, for or that that haven't that have that haven't been around for 25 years. That that was basically what she said. So if a medicine that is being advertised or being offered to you hasn't been in the field, you know, out there in the world for at least 25 years, don't take it. Don't trust it. Uh, I mean, unless your life's on the line, you know, then you're willing to guinea pig shit. Of course, I understand that and empathize with that. Uh, but, you know, her point is sound, is that it takes a certain amount of time for, you know, medicines to be in the wild to where, you know, you know that, OK, this, the side effects have been looked into. They've been discovered for the most part uh, and so on. And I think the true is or the same is true very much for code where maybe not 25 years, but you'd want especially I mean, with the nature of technology, the way that that it evolves, um, you want something to have been around for a little while before you really, really trust it. For example, um, you know, like Telegram. OK, lots of people use Telegram. I use Telegram. Uh, Telegram, I think, is a completely fine and valid thing. However, am I going to tell you to trust the MT Proto uh, encryption protocol? No, <laughs> no, don't trust that. <laughs> not not with your life. OK, uh, I mean, maybe even with the C I, I, I mean, I wouldn't even do it with the secret chat so much. Um, so, you know, as to where it was signal now, I mean, in technology, the difference is, is that you can have a, you know, the. I just want to say that 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 quote about medicine, it fits with code, but there's ways that you can cut the time frame down where you could have so many security researchers look at something like, say, the signal protocol. And it's so well vetted that it's the same as being 25 years. If you have enough security researchers with eyes on it, that's the beauty of open source code. Right. Um, as to where there's nothing open source about medicines, you have to wait the time. That's the only option you have with code, you know, to verify that it's solid, you can shorten the time frame it needs to find out if there's problems if you have enough people with eyes on it. 
Okay, do you get my point? If you have questions about what I'm saying there, please don't hesitate to ask, and, uh, and I'll explain better. But bottom line being is that PGP has been around for a good long while. It's been hammered. Yep, there, there have been problems found here and there. There's probably going to be more uh, potentially over time. Sure. Okay, uh, just as there will be with any encryption scheme. I do not think PGP is dead, okay, at all. And Matthew Green's point overall within the story, I I don't think I really need to read it. His point is that, you know, it's too hard to use. Um, Even people that are like real experts, like in the Wired story, they give an example of where when Edward Snowden was reaching out uh, initially to, to, to a journalist, that, you know, he wanted it to be PGP and he forgot to share his public key, you know, to be able to do PGP right. So even somebody like Edward Snowden effectively fucks up PGP, not not that it was like a lack of security you know, not that it was any less secure, but just that like the way that you you are meant to con- connect with each other on that. Uh, he missed a step. <laughs> OK, and it's true, like PGP can be pretty hard. OK, in managing all those keys, if you have a lot of contacts that you use that with, uh, it can be pretty difficult. I, I will not uh, necess- I won't disagree with that exactly. Now, if you're using an Android phone, you have access to the simplest implementation of PGP that's out there, uh, that being open keychain. And I mean, it is fucking simple. It, it, I mean, it's drop dead simple. It, I think it's easier than setting up just about anything else. Uh, I mean, it might not be easier than setting up Signal, or it might not be easier than setting up Telegram, which that's not exactly encryption, um, like we just talked about. But it's it's as simple as you can get. Now, uh, and it's, it's as simple, in my opinion, as setting up an email address itself. So if you're going to get an email address, setting up PGP uh, encryption for it on an Android phone is as easy as setting up the email itself on your phone. Okay. Unless you're just using Gmail and like, you know, Google automatically handles all that. All right. It's not that easy, but if you're using email outside of Gmail, which I've been impressed at just how many news outlets are saying to get away from Gmail now. But I think that really just has to do with their, they're trying to appease European uh, their European audience, you know, more their global audience, because in Europe, as we talked about in the recent Sovereign Tech Prime episode, uh, episode 299B, how, you know, Google and its implementation in Europe is becoming very questionable, right, in Google's products uh, and their implementation. So anyway, uh, if you use an email address outside of Google, uh, setting up PGP on your Android device, on you know, is just as easy as setting up that email address. All right. So I get what Matthew Green is saying, but I I don't exactly agree with him. And he should have brought up open keychain and how easy that was. That is to use. Um, In fact, now he says one of his other things is, is that, okay, you know, you might set it up on one device, but then you can't use it across devices. And we're in a multi device world. This is a pain in the ass. Well, this is where open keychain solves the problem again Um, with open keychain especially on mobile devices or on other Android devices, you can just scan QR codes and it will do a secure Wi-Fi direct transfer of your keys. Can't get any simpler. And doing that kind of Wi-Fi direct handshake with QR codes is about as secure as you can get. In fact, it's really the same way that you get signal to sync between your desktop 
and your and your mobile device is through a, a handshake of shared keys through scanning QR codes. It's brilliant. It's the way to do it. It is the most I, it, that I can think of. And I'm not saying I'm the best security researcher in the world. OK, but that I can think of. It's about the best way to go about it. OK, the most secure way to go about it. So it's not hard to share keys between devices. Um, I just recently, you know, I ended up getting a new phone. I got a Nokia 6.1 and I needed to transfer my keys over uh, from my from my Moto uh, E4. OK, and I was able to do that with open keychain. I just scanned between the two phones and boom, there's my keys on my new phone. I mean, it, it took seconds, not even. Uh, so I don't I, I completely disagree with this con this notion that PGP is hard. Historically, it has been hard. No argument from me on that. Yes, you're right. But we are developing the tools. OK, you know, guys at the Guardian Project and so on are doing amazing work to make these kind of encrypted tools, including PGP, much easier to use. So that said, um, also, if you're doing it on desktop, you know, Enigmail with Thunderbird. That's a pretty, I mean, they, they really hold your hand through it and, uh, and it works, you know, very well. Um, so I, and then there's Mailvelope, even if you're doing it in the browser, Mailvelope is, Mailvelope, hell, that might be simpler than open keychain. So again, I don't agree at all that this is hard to set up now. Even if it were hard, you need to learn. All right, because there is always, as I call it, the 10th law of thermodynamics. Okay, there is always a trade off between security and convenience. All right, it can only get so simple. And I would argue that PGP has gotten to a point, I mean, shockingly, it's gotten simpler than I ever expected it could. Okay, but it can't get any simpler, it can't get any more automated unless you go with like Proton Mail which now allows you, I mean, it didn't before, but now ProtonMail is totally valid. It allows you to interact with other, you know, with other PGP keys effectively. Okay, so ProtonMail is an option as far as securing your email and so forth. That is, uh, that is very, very simple to use because ProtonMail, you know, programmatically handles everything. All right, so there's that option as far as that goes. Uh, should email die? I mean, like, I think more really what Matthew Green is saying is that email should die, not so much that PGP should die. And yeah, I, I get the argument for that. But at the same time, I really don't right now, while in the future, yes, email should die right now. I don't want email to die because I need every protocol that exists, you know, on top of the or that exists within the infrastructure that we have. That is the Internet. OK, every protocol outside of the World Wide Web, I still want to exist until we get multiple Internets. OK. I need my SMTP email. I need my IRC. I need Usenet. I need these, I, you know, BitTorrent, whatever. I need all of these protocols that can exist without the World Wide Web. They have to be there. I need them because until I have multiple internets, that's the closest thing I have to multiple internets, okay, to where I can communicate with people. So it is not time for email to die. There is a day when it will be. It is not now. And when email dies, PGP can die then. But that's not now. Like I said, now, another important reason why it's not time for PGP to die. This is really, really key and really important, and it's becoming more important by the day. And this is something I've recently realized, okay, uh, with with a lot of my explorations and the problems with social media. 
And it's not just social media, but with a lot of these, because what Matthew Green says is like, well, then we, we should be using encrypted messengers like Signal and so on. Uh, yes, we should be using Signal. Yes, we should be using these encrypted messaging uh, you know, programs and all that. And we talk about all the good ones on this show. Okay. Um, one problem, though, that is or, uh, an issue that is arising, okay, is that I think it's a totally valid choice and a wonderful thing if people want to get the fuck away from the telcos. You know, get away from Verizon, AT&T, uh, uh, Sprint, T-Mobile, whatever. Get away from all of them. Get out of the telephone system in general. I think that that's a fine and dandy thing to do. It's a wonderful thing. If you want privacy and you want, uh, hell, fuck, it, you know. All right. It's not even about privacy anymore. It's about sanity, you understand. Sanity. Every time you hear me say, if you want privacy, what I want you to really hear me saying, put on your giraffe ears or whatever. I want you to hear me saying, if you want sanity in this life, because these phones will drive you fucking nuts. I know. Like, uh, look, I'm, I'm going to, Stanley's going to level with you here. I mean, with like with the clients I have and other things that I do and the amount of shit that I push out with Sovereign Tech and so on and, you know, trying to, you know, I have, I have, I mean, I haven't like removed as in deleted accounts necessarily, but I've walked away from so much social media and so many messaging platforms. Okay. I still, so here's what was going on for me. Like, all right, I don't sleep. Like I, I barely ever sleep. Okay. Um, I don't want it to be that way. And I know it's a problem. I know I need to sleep. Okay. Uh, you know, I'm not in the church of all worlds. I know I need to sleep. <laughs> all right. I can't get away with two hours a night. Uh, you know, I'm not Batman either. <laughs> as hard as I've tried. <laughs> I know, I know I need to get more sleep than I do. Okay. And I mean, I'm telling you that, that on average I get anywhere from like four to six. That's being generous. Okay. Every night. I wish that I could get into napping more, like just in the middle of the day, take a nap. I tried to take a nap actually before I recorded this to let, you know, just, just to give you some inside baseball here. And, um, I can't, I can't, I can't nap. You know why? Because like, like even me, even with all the ways that I've stepped away from all these different platforms and all these different services and all these sites and everything that I've stepped away from. You know, like I still stress that there's going to be some email that's going to come in or there's going to be some some message somewhere from something that's going to come from somebody that, holy fuck, it needs attention right now. And the smartphone is just there. It's not like, you know, it's not the computer that you can necessarily walk away from or the laptop that you can close the clamshell on. In fact, it's almost I dare say it's almost like a psychological trick. The fact that phones, I mean, Samsung's coming out with the clamshell phone again. Great. Uh, but you know, that, that we don't have the clamshell, that we don't, it, like, th the screen is always there staring at us. We don't cover it. Yeah, you could buy a case that covers it. Maybe that's not a bad idea. Maybe I should do that. But it's, like, always open and ready. You know, it's the black mirror, right? And it doesn't let me, it doesn't let me sleep. It doesn't let me, like, allow me to even, like, take a nap, you know, because, like, I'm that on. And I know that's not good. I know that's that's not healthy. And that's what I'm saying. It's not even about privacy anymore. I mean, it is, but it is that is part and parcel of your very sanity. So that said, the reason I'm saying I went on the screed and the reason I'm bringing all of this up is because 
we are running into the problem where a lot of the platforms and encrypted messengers and whatever else that we happen to use are requiring an ugly number, our phone number. And if I wanted to get a little, uh, wanted to, you know, wax religious on you, I dare say your fucking phone number has literally become the number of the beast. And you know, I'm not saying the beast in the nice way because normally I'm all hail Satan, you know, absolutely. But I, I think, I think the phone number is, <laughs> we might as well call it, you know, the mark, not the number of the beast. I'm sorry. The mark of the beast. Okay. Number of the beast six, 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 or, well, no, actually it's this number, you know, they got it wrong. Okay. <laughs> Email me about that sometime. Oh. <laughs> but, but it's the mark of the beast. It, like, I mean, it, it won't, you know, you, you can't communicate with people if you don't have one. I, I mean, but you, you are beholden to the telcos if you do that. And look, it's gotten to the point. It's so bad. Say you wanted to make a new Twitter account, right? Now, Facebook, now we've talked about this, I think, recently on Sovereign Tech uh, Prime episodes, but just about any major platform you can imagine, they'll let you make an account. Okay. You can make an account and you don't think you need a phone number, right? But then in an hour or maybe even in a day or two, suddenly you can't log into your account, that, 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 that newly minted account that you just made. And what are they asking you for? They're saying, hey, you need to give us a phone number because your account has done suspicious activity. You might not have even used the account. Or if you did, I mean, you used it pretty scant. And they'll, they'll claim, and they won't give you any explanation whatsoever. They just won't. Trust me. I know. I've asked. And they'll tell you that there's like suspicious account activity. There's no activity whatsoever. What the hell is suspicious about that? I mean, you could say that's suspicious. And like, even if you didn't follow somebody, it's nuts. Everything is pretty much requiring you to have a phone number for verification. Now, there are some valid reasons to want that kind of verification to stave off uh, the creation of fake accounts and so on. I understand that. I get the the potentially potentially benign reasons why these social media uh, uh, platforms and other services and sites and whatever are asking for a phone number. I get it. Okay, but there is a problem. There there is a, <laughs> you know, there, there's another end of that sword, another side of that sword, and it's just as sharp. And the problem is, is that it's forcing you effectively to pay into the telcos you know, whatever amount of money that is a month. And that is not okay. You should be able to communicate with people in alternative fashion. Um, I mean, even getting like an email, you know, say you want to get a Gmail account or something. A lot of email services are now requiring you to have a phone number. Um, even if you want to secure your account, like on Twitter, they want two forms of two-factor authentication. Now you can make those a one-time pin and a YubiKey but the only way you're going to get there is if you give them a phone number first to set up uh, the initial two-factor authentication. Now, you could say, well, all right, but on my tablet, I could I could just pay for like a number from, uh, what was it, Hushed or Hush, whatever it is, the, the app that will sell you a phone number for a couple bucks for seven days or something, and then you can get past everything. Oh, no, 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 no. Because now what Twitter and Facebook and others will do is, is they'll say, They'll, what Facebook will do is they'll consistently ask for that phone number. Like in the future, they'll say, please re-verify with the code we just sent you via SMS to your phone number. And if you don't have that phone number anymore because it was a throwaway for you, you're fucked. Twitter 
actually has a uh, a blacklist of sources where they know where those phone numbers are coming from. And if they know it's from Hushed, they won't accept the phone number. Now, you can email Twitter and say, hey, I need you. Uh, you're, you know, look, I don't know what the suspicious, suspicious activity is. Uh, please unlock my account. You can do that. And to some degree, that'll work. But, you know, you'll have to keep emailing them and you'll have to email them about that phone number. And I bet Twitter will do the same thing Facebook does, where at some point they're going to ask you for that phone number again. So, like, we're being more and more services and encrypted messengers as well, like Signal. Signal doesn't work without phone numbers. Okay, Telegram, you even have to, with that, you even have to have a phone number, at least at first. And, well, you know, who knows about going forward? Um, I mean, and that, and that could be a real problem because a lot of the ways that, that uh, Telegram wants to verify is through a phone number. Let's say you get a throwaway phone number to activate Telegram. What's going to happen next is that at some point they might need to verify and someone else has that phone number. Someone else is going to get your codes. These are very real problems, but phone numbers are inherently so insecure. And also you have to pay in, you know, to to even to have one. Um, I think this becomes a very, very real problem. Uh, and the more messaging services, the more communication channels we have that require a phone number, um, I see that as a huge problem, a huge, huge problem. Uh, and, and we're running out of them. Now, email is one of the nice things. And email with PGP is that form of encryption, you know, rock solid, really. I mean, yeah, I know e-fail and, and other stuff, but there's ways you could have mitigated that. And they're pretty easy. Okay. But email in, in conjunction with PGP, no, you don't really. I mean, as long as you're not going through Gmail, why the fuck would you? You know, you don't you don't need uh, you don't need a phone number at all. I mean, hell, you could buy you, you could buy an ass and set up your own email server with that. Right. Or have your own email server set up or something. I mean, there's no, you don't need a phone number to use email. And I think that's part of the reason why also why email needs to stick around, because it's that ball work against the telcos. As far as communication goes, same and PGP is, I mean, yeah, okay, it'd be great if everybody used SMIME and everything, right? You know, but PGP is there for you to use and to communicate in an encrypted fashion. And it's a little weird just how how quickly people want PGP to go away. I mean, that might just be that might just be people wanting to push a story, but I I think PGP is fine and dandy. Okay, it's as rock solid as any other form of encryption out there. And yes, it is. Okay, Uh, and I think it should be used. And if you don't know how to use it, you need to fucking learn. Because doing technology right is never going to be easy. It can't be. It just can't. Because the more and more convenience you have, the less and less security you have. That's the way it works. And that's the way it's always going to work. Okay, I mean, we can come up with clever ways kind of around that or not around that, but clever ways to sort of mitigate that. But ultimately, you're going to have to learn something sometime. So start now. Get ahead of the curve. Okay, PGP is going to be email and PGP are going to be around for a long, long while. Uh, And, you know, and and I'm glad. I I mean, I really (laughs) I really am right now, you know, until again, until we get mesh networks and multiple internets and all that. I mean, these things are, are necessary. Uh, and, and again, I want the, you know, I don't want to be tied to my phone number. You know, I don't want that to be my identity. Um, I want my identity to be something as anonymous and, you know, and hell, if I don't have to pay into it, uh, you know, to some company, great, you know, 
Um, so I think that's something people really need to consider. So no, PGP is not dead. And again, it won't be dead for a very long time. That's uh, all of that is a long answer way of saying that. Okay. And maybe that's a conversation I should have had on Sovereign Tech Prime. At some point, it'll probably come up. Um, but I, I am really concerned about this, of how many different things want your phone number. I get why they do. And sometimes they're val- like signal. It's an easy way to verify who you're talking to. Like, I, I get that. Okay. But I also need the option to do something else. Uh, something that somebody brought up, I haven't vetted it yet or really looked into it, even though it's been around for a couple of years, a ring.cx. Um, this is GNU ring. It's, it, uh, I think is the other name for it. Um, I will be looking into this. That's something, you know, when there's new messengers around, I'd like to talk about them on sovereign tech itself. Um, I will be looking into that. Of course, there's other messengers that, and that doesn't require a phone number. Um, you have like riot.im that doesn't require a phone number. Briar, uh, which I'm a big fan of that doesn't require a phone number. Um, and now Briar, you could effectively run on a desktop. Um, if you either have uh, Android mirroring on your desktop or hell, if you're running and yeah, I know the problems with this, but if you're running a Chromebook, uh, you can run Briar on that beautifully. And you know, so that can be a desktop messenger as well, but that of course is not cross device, at least not yet. Um, but I'm glad that there are at least a few options out there to use that don't require a phone number. Um, I mean, you can get away with Twitter without a phone number, but I, to me, it sort of feels like for how long, you know, that that's, that's really going to be a thing. So anyway, um, yeah, anybody have any questions on that? Go ahead, send them my way. Let's get into, so I only got to the two questions, but that's fine. Let's get into our album of the week because do we have a doozy? In fact, I think I mentioned this on one of the episodes that we released uh, last week uh, October 19th, like <laughs> so many fucking albums came out <laughs> and I didn't even list them all. Like I mentioned, you know, Arian, Amaranth, Whitesnake, uh, Marty Friedman. I mean, but Ace Fraley came out with a new album. There was a new, I can't believe this. There was a new Impelitary album and it's fucking awesome. I mean, I'll review it for an album of the week, but I mean, I've got albums of the week all the way into 2019 just based off of what came out on October 19th alone in one day. <laughs> I I mean, there were so many albums that came out and we still have the new within temptation coming out in December, uh, but holy shit. I mean, I got, I, I was just, you know, hammered with all of the great music that, that came out on October 19th. I still haven't been able, I still haven't dug into all of Ace Fraley's new album. I usually, what I'll do is, is when I'm working out, cause I work out for an hour, you know, hour and a half, depending upon uh, what, what type of workout in the day. And uh, you know, usually I'll, I'll pop on an album and I'll listen to it all the way through. And that's how I will, you know, make sure that I get into time to, uh, you know, to listen to some of these new albums. Um, but the one that definitely the one I was really, really waiting for, even though next week's, uh, will have the, the lead singer, uh, Elise, she, she contributed to a song on there and it's better than it. Well, it's one of the best metal songs I've ever heard, but anyway, you'll have to wait to hear about that. But the album I was really waiting for, and and in fact, <laughs> so on Pirate Bay, they actually had them all come out the day before. Like Pirate Bay, uh, who is an AK or whatever, or Hunter, one of those, they're, they're kind of the two major uploaders for music. Um, they had them all on the 18th instead of the 19th, and they had the deluxe editions and everything. It was great. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. anyway, so they were uploading them throughout the 18th, and I'm like, oh, come on, like you're releasing all these great albums but where's the new Amaranth? Like you got all the other new albums out. Like they had, they had the Arian album out like instantly or that morning. And where's the new Amaranth? And then 
oh, finally later in the day it hit and I just had to go to the gym. Yeah, it was so, I was like, oh yeah, I'm not going to wait. I, I need to listen to this now. And fuck, is it worth it? <laughs> this is, I don't know if I'm going to give it album of the year, but hot damn, is it good? <laughs> it is. Uh, Amaranth, I've been a fan of for a long time and really ever since the Nexus, which was their, Ooh, was that 2015? Um, I, I did a, a back before there was a Patreon. Um, I used to do little sovereign tech specials in the Patreon feed and, or not in the Patreon feed. I'm sorry, in the prime feed, in the main feed for sovereign tech. And I did a trilogy of you need metal. Okay. And in the very first one, I, you know, a lot of the bands were, I was introducing people to bands that were really classic bands that I think people had forgotten that they actually had new music and there was new stuff worth checking out from them. But the one new band on there, and, and at the time, most people said, Whoa, I've never heard of them, but they're fucking amazing. I said that would be the one band that most people hadn't heard of that you need to be listening to. And that at the time, Maybe it was even 2014 at the time that I think it was 2014. That was Amaranth. And that was they only had two albums out at the time. There was their self-titled, which is a brilliant album, has a song Hunger on it. Just amazing. And then, of course, the Nexus, which is just a track for track album. I mean, from the beginning to end, you can listen to the whole damn thing. Uh, so then they would, you know, their third album would come out which might still be uh, might still be my favorite. Um, their third album being Massive Addictive. I mean, the first five, six songs on that are just some of the best music ever made. And, uh, you know, what what can I do about it? You know, like Digital World, amazing. Uh, <laughs> all, all those songs are, I mean, they even have songs that where there's Captain Picard quotes, quotes in it. How, how do you beat that? You know, but this is metal with, you know, some synth, some like kind of, shall I say, dance tracks, you know, laced within. And it's a really unique, you know, there's the, the mixture of Elise, who she does very clean vocals, but then they have other singers where they have a guy with clean vocals, depending upon who's in the band at the time. And then there's, you know, your dirty vocals or your screamo, right? So there's that mixture of that, that allows for a certain intensity that uh, I can even appreciate uh, within their music. So it's a very unique remix, you know, mixture of styles uh, that Amaranth brings to the table, but they're effectively a power metal band. If you had to choose one, one musical genre or term for them, they are power metal all the way. And, uh, maybe you could call them dance metal if you wanted, but I, I'd, I'd say power metal because the dance aspects didn't come in until Massive Addictive, really, in my opinion. So then they had their their fourth album, which is Maximalism, or their fourth uh, uh, major album. And Maximalism, of course, that first track on there, Maximize, brilliant. <laughs> okay. And so they've finally come out with their, uh, their I guess, their fifth uh, album, Again, there's like breaking points, which is B sides and everything, but basically their major release, their fifth album, which is Helix. That and that is our album of the week. Uh, this album is another one where there's a couple tracks that are a little lesser, but you can listen to the whole thing straight through and just have a great time. Um, there's a couple tracks that are a little, I feel like they get a little too slow and they kind of kill the pacing of the album overall. So that's sort of what's keeping this from maybe taking top spot because it has, while I don't think there's a song better on here than Maximize, Maximize might be their best song they've ever done. But the problem is, is that the, the, the album Maximalize is, is a little uneven and, ma- and none of the songs really match Maximize. As to where on this album, it's not, it, it is a little uneven, but there's more 
great songs than there are on Maximalize. So this is a better album than their last outing is the point that I'm getting at. But I still don't think it's as good as Massive Addictive. Uh, but it opens up really strong uh, with a song called The Score, um, which is one that I had not heard ahead of time. Uh, and it's a brilliant, heavy, you know, really heavy track that just gets you going. Uh, then it goes into the song 365, which I don't exactly understand the lyrics to 365 because like the, the chorus to 365, which is the single that they released a couple months ago. Um, and it's a great song. It's a badass song. Really, really solid. I love it. Uh, the music video, hot as hell. Um, the, the chorus to it is 365 in a day is how, you know, I don't know what the hell that means. Uh, in fact, I'll be honest. I mean, Amaranth uses a lot of occult symbolism in what, in their work. Uh, and actually they even use like in, in digital world off of, uh, in the music, the music video for digital world off of the album, uh, massive addictive. Um, they make it pretty clear that it seems like they're anarchists. So I don't know anyway, but they do use some occult symbolism. I don't know if they, when they say three sixty five in a day is how, you know, so there's this idea and I could be way overthinking this and I probably am. So don't take me too seriously here, uh, that in biblical prophecy, that you have what's called the prophetic year and the prophetic year is, or the prophetic day is that when the Bible, like in the book of Daniel, when it says like, you know, in 1200 days, such and such will happen. What it actually means, it doesn't mean a 24 hour period, 1200, 24 hour periods. When it says a day, it actually means a year. So, so really it means 1200 years. And so like, if they're saying 365 365 in a day is how you know, as in 365 days within a day, as in a prophetic day, is how you know, and how you know it means prophecy. I don't know if that's what they're saying. I've tried to look into it. No one else has put that together because, well, look, folks, I don't mean to be boastful, but they're not me. <laughs> okay. They don't, <laughs> to quote a little fight club, you don't know where I've been, Lou. You don't know where I've been. <laughs> right. <laughs> I have, as, as Stephanie's uh, mom says uh, fondly all the time, I've had a very front-loaded life. <laughs> and as I say all the time, I, you know, I'm on my third life right now. So <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, so I, maybe I'm overthinking that, but I just have no idea what the fuck that means, what that chorus means. But it's a great song, <laughs> you know. It's a lot of fun. Um, very cool. So after 365, anyway, uh, after 365 is probably my favorite song off of the album right now, uh, which is Inferno. And it's kind of close to maximize as far as tone. Um, very a great song. Uh, they didn't release it until like a week before the album dropped. I would have put this this song out first uh, to get people hyped up because it, it's it's a straight ahead song and it, it's just it rocks. Uh, after that is countdown, another one that they had released uh, uh, previously, a really really rock solid song. Then the uh, uh, the title track, which is Helix. Um, another enjoyable song gets into GG six. That's where that song's a little uneven. I don't know. Uh, then there's a song called breakthrough star shot, which the lyrics seem to have nothing to do with, uh, of course, you know, the program that we've talked about many times on sovereign tech, uh, which is breakthrough star shot, which is sending, you know, these, uh, Altoid can sized probes to other parts, uh, of our, of our galaxy. And, but it's still a, a really good song. Um, then there's My Haven. That's pretty good. There's a song. Sorry, I skipped one. Dream. Dream is kind of this ballad, and it, it kills the pace, and it feels out of place. And especially when it goes into a very hard song like GG6. I don't know. I don't. 
I didn't feel it. Like, like it, it, it felt off to me. Okay. So, but then there's iconic unified momentum. They're all good songs. It just, some of them are significantly better uh, than others. So especially the first four or five tracks are phenomenal. Breakthrough Star Shots, actually a good song, even though the title's weird. Um, but yeah, this is an album well, well worth the wait. Uh, might end up being because eventually, you know, come January, I do have to do my picks for 2018. This might end up being my album for 2018. It's that good, even though it's not Amaranth's best album. Like I said, that really goes to Massive Addictive. Um, but fuck, is it good? <laughs> it's it's really good. And their lead singer, she's at least she she's been all over the place, uh, doing stuff for a lot of other bands. And I am glad. Uh, but the weird part is is that oftentimes the songs she goes and does for other bands or artists are kind of better than what Amaranth has been than the bulk of what Amaranth has been putting out there in the past few years since Massive Addictive. I mean, they've put out some of their best songs, no doubt. You know, Maximize and so on. But like overall, I yeah, I don't know what's going on with like what the deal is with that. But I'm glad she's doing so much uh, guest appearing because hopefully that's leading people to Amaranth. Like she was on Gush G's album, she's on that Ariane album and so on. Um and and they're great and there's even more than that, uh but they're they're great performances. So, anyway, uh do get Helix by Amaranth. Uh just came out. It's fresh and it is and it's fresh in every way that you can take that term. <laughs> <laughs> and then it is great it is a fucking awesome album so okay that's it i'm gonna wrap that one up. i wrap this one up with that do listen to it trust me you won't be disappointed and uh wow we've have we're gonna have so many albums of the week that i might even there's so many that, again that just came out on the 19th i might have to do i might even end up doing like two albums a week for like the rest of 2018 because there's so many great albums that I really think deserve the light of day and that I feel like I'm the only one that would actually pay attention to and tell people about. And so I want to be there to do it at least for you patrons. So, all right, that'll wrap it up for our Wednesday Q and a, please remember if you want to help out the show even more, even though I'm just so honored by the fact that you're a patron and you pay to hear the sound of my voice, that is remarkable to me. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it really is. Okay. Uh, but if you want to help out the show more, we are definitely in need of some new equipment. Please go to uh, wishlist.sovereigntech.com uh, to do that or wishlist.zog.ninja. They go to the same place and you can help out there. And, uh, and that'll wrap this up and more exciting content to come out throughout October. You know it. You, the, I always kind of like the end of the month, I really load it up, you know, but, uh, uh, well, eventually it's going to get to the point where almost every day of the month is going to be loaded. But anyway, you're all set with this for your Q and a, get your questions in, of course, you know, through Patreon, or you can email me at BBS Just let me know it's for the Patreon Q and a, and I will see all of you on the other side.